1: Welcome to Warriors Off-Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports writer Rusty Simmons. Rusty has been covering the Warriors in some capacity for us since 2009, and he's been a regular presence on the beat this season. Late Friday night, we sat down at Chase Center to discuss the aftermath of Friday's news that Steph Curry will miss at least three months after undergoing surgery on his left hand in L.A., We opened up by breaking down just how long Curry could really be sidelined. So here we are right next to the court being deconstructed here at Chase Center after the Warriors' 127-110 loss to the Spurs. Um, Once again, the game didn't really matter. I said that the last time, I'm saying that again because the news of the day prevailed and that was Steph Curry is going to miss at least the next three months with uh, a hand injury that required surgery he had a broken second metacarpal in his left hand uh, had surgery this morning in LA and he will be out at least until February 1st um, and that's just when the next evaluation is so he could be out significantly longer than that we really don't know um, you know I talked to hand specialist today she said that That's not too abnormal of a recovery timetable, even though it is actually significantly longer than the average person who has that type of injury. We don't know some of the details. We don't know where on the bone it was, if it was on the joint, if it was on a, you know, a a ligament or or what have you, um, which could complicate things. But bottom line, not good news for the Warriors.
0: It's not, unless you uh, like a lot of pain and suffering. (laughs) because <laughs> that's, uh, that's what the Warriors are going to look like a lot this year. Um, I guess maybe the, the fans can, can take some joy in watching the young guys develop because they're going to get plenty of minutes. How Can we just
1: reflect for a second about how quickly this all fell apart? I mean, I remember showing up to Media Day a month ago and thinking – oh, it's ridiculous that people are talking that the Warriors could, might not make the playoffs. Like, sure, they might not contend for a title, but there's no way they're going to miss the playoffs. I mean, they have three All-Stars without Clay, and then Clay's going to come back in February, and who knows, maybe they'll make the Western Conference Finals. Like, I remember being on this podcast saying that. I remember going on radio interviews. I remember just shooting the shit with friends saying that every day. And then you show up the first day of training camp and reality kind of slowly starts to set in and you see how epically fragile this team is. And then here we are. The worst case scenario has already happened, which is a major injury to Steph. We, we've, we've said all along, if Steph even misses a couple weeks, it'll be the death now. Well, here we are five games in and he's out for at least three months. On top of that, you have Kavon Looney dealing with a neuropathic condition that's affecting his hamstring and there is no clarity about how long he'll be out. Jacob Evans is dealing with hip injury and he I know he's he's not a stud or anything but he's a guy who's a rotation wing on this team and would be getting big minutes right now who's going to be out three weeks Um, and then Draymond Green tonight shows up post game with his left index finger wrap turns out he sprained his left index finger could barely gripped the ball much of the game tonight Uh, and I would guess that he's not going to play tomorrow against Charlotte so they have a home game against a team that entering the season was probably considered the least talented team in the league and you got to think that they're going to be favored to lose that game
0: yeah absolutely and and even before Draymond had the finger injury he's already dealing with a back a knee and an elbow Um, I think the Warriors were gonna find a reason for him to sit out the back-to-back anyway but now it looks like he has a legitimate reason
1: Yeah, so (laughs) it it, it forces everyone to recalibrate—not just their expectations, but just the offense. uh, You know, it it just—it has an amazing trickle-down effect. And uh, one thing that the big takeaway for me tonight was the offense was totally different. Obviously, without Steph, their entire offense, their entire system runs through Steph. So um, the only way they're going to be somewhat competitive offensively is to run their offense through D'Angelo Russell and kind of run a system similar to what Russell ran last season in Brooklyn, uh, where it's a lot of iso ball, a lot of high pick and roll, um, a lot slower pace. And he looked pretty comfortable in that. He he had really struggled in his first four games playing off of Steph, had the worst plus minus in the entire NBA. Um and was not shooting the ball well, just couldn't seem to find a rhythm with Steph. But, you know, kind of back in his comfort zone, he was, he was dominant for stretches of the game, had a really good first half, um, then kind of struggled with some efficiency in the second half. Um, but the reality of the situation is that outside of D'Angelo, they just don't have a lot of threats.
0: No, they really don't. Um... Alec Burks is gonna be a nice score for him off the bench, but I'm not sure you can can run an offense through him. Um, and, and it looks like you're exactly right, that they're, they're essentially gonna go away from what they've done for the last five years, um, look at their personnel and try to do what they do best. And for D'Angelo Russell, that's the pick and roll. So we're gonna see a lot of that. On the other end of the court, um, they've simplified everything. You don't see nearly as much switching as you used to. Um, as the young guys try to learn what it takes to play defense in the NBA, uh, they're going to try to make it as easy on them as, as they can. Uh, so so starkly different than what you've seen the last five years. And to be at least somewhat competitive, you would think that
1: they have to not be horrendous defensively because even though their offense still has some firepower, it's not going to be near the top of the league with, without Steph. So they need to at least hold their own. And I, I, I find it hard to believe that they're going to be able to do that. You know, we, we've said it a million times, but they just don't have any – elite defensive players outside of Draymond and as you alluded to Draymond's pretty banged up and you're asking a lot of him as the only remaining player not only from the championship teams but from last season's playoff team because Dan because Damian Lee who's a two-way contract player did not play in the playoffs so he's the only player
0: currently available who even logged a minute in the playoffs last season how, how long do you think he's going to enjoy this scenario? Of He's saying the right things right now, right. That, that he is enjoying the mentoring and, and he's trying to go slow with these young guys. Um, but Traymond's a guy who's never lost in his life. So this is going to be a new challenge for him. And um, to me, it'll be really interesting to see how, how long he is into this mentoring role and, and how much he enjoys kind of bringing these young players along because that, he likes winning more than anything else. Yeah,
1: I think that's one of the things I'm most fascinated about with this entire situation is just seeing how he handles it because we all know Draymond is a sore loser. He's one of the most competitive people alive. He is not patient by any stretch of the imagination and you've already seen him get a little frustrated at times this season, you know, going out of his way two days in a row to say, we effing suck totally unprompted. Um, but it seems like he's at the point now where he, he understands the situation and he's kind of trying to come to terms with it and just accept it for what it is. And there's a little bit of – I don't want to say he's acquiescing to the situation, but he's just kind of going going for the ride. And, you know, the, the good thing for the Warriors is that there, sh- there should be brighter days ahead. You know, um, I actually think in a lot of ways that this injury to Steph – is a good thing for the Warriors. Um, the, ra- the reality is, this team was ne- was never going to do much this season. Best case scenario, they maybe steal if they, if everything goes right. They maybe steal a playoff series if Clay Thompson comes back in, in February, March. Uh, you know, they they upset someone in the first round. But who who really cares? I mean, who really cares about winning a first round series for a franchise that has made the last five? NBA Finals. I mean, that that just doesn't really matter at this point. So, would you rather win a first round series or make the playoffs uh, as a seven or eight seed, or totally tank and be in a position to get a top four draft pick and what should be a decent draft, um, and then enter the off season where you don't have the hard cap, you have a seventeen million dollar trade exception, the one that they they got for the Andre Iguodala trade with Memphis. Uh, you have a mid-level exception, and then you pair that with a, maybe a top-five pick, uh, and, and you're bringing back a healthy Steph, a healthy Draymond, a healthy Clay, and conceivably a healthy D'Angelo Russell. That's a pretty good team, and there's there's some flexibility finally of what Bob Myers can do with his roster. You know, if he decides that D'Angelo Russell is not going to be a fit with 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 Steph and I saw nothing in those four games that made me believe that he could be um, maybe you package him with with that number five pick for for you know I don't know maybe um, it'd probably be need to be a bigger package but there's a lot of Giannis talk because if Giannis doesn't want to go back to Milwaukee maybe they'll shop him and and the Warriors can maybe put together as good of a package as anyone I mean they, these are a lot of what-ifs but well what, all I'm saying here is that there are possibilities, whereas this season there really aren't a lot of possibilities. And the fact that Steph's missing this much time and the offense is going to be run through D'Angelo gives D'Angelo a chance to showcase himself and show middling teams around the NBA that he can be a go-to guy still, um, which helps
0: his market value as, as a trade chip. Yeah, I think you hit on two really important things there. One, I thought one of the most interesting things about this season was going to be could they stay close enough to that eight spot in the playoffs for when Clay's healthy? And then the Warriors would have a really tough decision. Do, do you bring him back? Um, what kind of load management would they do with Stephen Curry and Draymond Green all year? Now all of those questions are out the window. They're, they're not playing for a playoff spot now. Um, and so, one, I think that's, that's exactly right. And, two, you hit it on the head with D'Angelo Russell. I think they proved in the first several games that they weren't going to try to bend to his game. They were going to keep it as Stephen Curry is – the key to this offense and and we're going to try to play it that way now they have no choice now they have to play D'Angelo Russell style and of course it gives him a chance to showcase everything um and and if the Warriors decide that it doesn't work here which it apparently will not um then then he has good numbers he has great videotape to show other teams and, and maybe maybe his value rises
1: we'll have more of my conversation with Rusty Simmons right after the break So obviously the focus now turns toward developing the young guys, grooming them. Hopefully a couple of those guys can really pop, and the Warriors have some cheap, bargain young guys who who they can put around their core for the next few years, and and and, and have, you know, as as building blocks. Because, you know, as you know, to maintain any sort of dynasty or, or any sort of long-term relevance, you need to have young assets who are cheap and affordable on those on those rookie contracts who who can help you in high level high stakes situations um so the the key guys we're looking at here are probably jordan pool and eric Pas- pascal eric pascal has has been a complete res- revelation in these first five games he to me has been maybe the only real bright spot uh through these first 5 games. This is the guy who was the number 41 pick in June. 40 names called ahead of his in that in that draft. And he he's already proven to me at least that he belongs in the the NBA and he'll have a very long career and he has the potential to be a great role player kind of in that Dream on Green mold um you know he came out of villanova knows what he's doing makes a lot of good decisions i've been really impressed by his defensive versatility he's he's banging with guys much bigger than him on that low block at center and holding his own um so he's gonna be continued to be thrown in the fire and then jordan Poole, who has shown flashes of his ability uh he's a shooter a gunner um Highly inconsistent. Um, you know, it seems like he'll have a phenomenal game and then have two really bad games. Uh, tonight he had a pretty good game: um, twelve points, four for nine shooting. Or, or, sorry, that's just the second half box score. He actually had twenty. Yeah, that, that's more like it. He had twenty points on seven for thirteen shooting, four for seven from three. Um, the thing that I like about him is even when his shot isn't falling, he keeps shooting. He kind of has that shooter's confidence that Steph Curry flair where you know he he believes in himself enough and and for a guy who was the 28th pick in June as a rookie that says a lot and so I think I think they're excited about him um you know who else are you kind of watching during during this stretch
0: well I know your favorite guy is Smiley and we haven't (laughs) even gotten to see him yet right um but I think you're right about Pool and Pascal. um and Poole, I think coming into the league, we knew that he wasn't scared to shoot and he'd keep shooting it. Uh, but he's a better defender than a lot of the scouting reports I read. Um, he's never going to be great on that end, I don't think. But he right. competes. Right. He sticks his nose in there. So I think that's, that's something to keep watching. Um, and I think you're, you're right on with Pascal. Uh, this is a perfect situation for him. Uh, or it would have been the last five years, right, when he could have been a role player with a bunch of stars around him. Um, and the Warriors have to keep – that'll be an interesting thing. I want to backtrack because I told you now they have to play D'Angelo Russell style. But doesn't that almost set back the progress of your young guys? Because you're looking at Jordan yep. Poole and Eric Paschal and saying, they're going to be part of this. Right. So why don't we keep running our offense so that they learn it's a, it's it? I don't know. It's
1: an interesting kind of internal conflict mm-hmm. that I'm sure Steve is wrestling with. Because I, I don't, I, you know, Steve doesn't want to give up his motion principles he was he's been very insistent about that but he's at a point where to even be competitive in these games he doesn't really have a choice but you're right uh, if the whole point is to bring along the young guys and, and, and groom them for the future don't you need to be playing a similar style that you're going to be playing next season
0: um it, and it's, it's a, weird and it's a complicated system right so uh, you, yeah you want to start integrating all that stuff and if you're forced to play the minutes, you, you, you're exactly right. You would want them to be playing minutes in the system that they're going to go forward with.
1: And one other thing that's interesting to me is that you look at this roster and out of the 16 guys, I'm going to say 16 because, uh, you know, we have the two two-way guys. There are at least there are eight guys who have yet to prove that they belong in the NBA. Um, and they're, be, they're being given – free reign to, to show the world, the Warriors as well as the world that they belong at this level that they can play and really this is kind of one huge long audition for them to show hey, you know I, I, whatever team needs another wing or needs another big man or what have you, if I don't last here, give, take a flyer on me because cause I belong, you know, guys like Damian Lee, Kai Bowman Amari Spellman Jacob Evans went healthy. Uh, Glenn Robinson III. Uh, you know, you you name it. Mark, Marcus Chris. Uh, they're obviously the the rookies. Allen Smiley's. Jordan Pool. Eric Pascal. I mean, I'm naming almost the entire roster. Uh, but these are all guys who haven't stuck. Or, you know, haven't really found their footing yet in the league. And so that to me is kind of an, an interesting dynamic. And I think it's gonna be kind of an asset for the Warriors because they don't have the talent, but they should definitely have the motivation uh, on
0: a a personal level. These guys are are playing for their own livelihoods. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Um, Other than – I'll say two things. Other than Jacob Evans because he's hurt, um, who do you think is the next best prospect after Poole and Pascal? Is the next one that gets you excited, Chris? Yeah, that's yeah. a good question, and and that's part of why the the
1: whole branding of this situation as, as a youth movement and, and grooming the young guys, it's like, okay, but what young guys are you really that high on? I mean, I, I get it, Eric Pascal and, and Jordan Poole, but the truth is, even if Steph – Stayed healthy, even if Kavon stayed healthy. All those guys, those guys were still going to get major minutes. So you could have brought them along. I get it, though. They're just trying to put a positive spin on it. I mean, this is a really crappy situation at the end of the day. And I mean, what else are they going to do? You just, you just got to kind of put a smile on your face and, and try to find some sort of silver lining. But you know, all the, a lot of these guys, I, there's even if they have decent years with the wars, I don't ever see them being long-term solutions you know Damian Lee maybe he he does enough where you give him a minimum contract next season as, as a 15-man roster guy possibly um you know one guy that we were talking about before we started recording earlier is Kendrick Nunn uh, I'm sure everyone's seen what he's done so far this season in Miami he's yeah, I believe he's Miami's leading scorer averaging over 22 points per game uh has kind of been taking the league by storm 23 year old 24 year old rookie uh who's a couple years removed from oak oakland university in michigan he played the last few seasons in santa cruz with the warriors g league affiliate was in training camp last last year with the warriors A preseason cut was one of the best arguably the best player on the warriors g league team last season where he shared a roster with damian lee and and uh you know a couple other guys who played with the warriors um I'm forgetting Marcus Derrickson, their other two-way contract guy last season, and I went—I went to a couple of their games, and I remember thinking, "I this guy's an NBA scorer right now. He—he uh, just has a nose for the rim, is a great attacker, pretty good shooter, really strong physically, a little undersized, but you know, you—you you could tell that he could get on an NBA court and score buckets, and I think." At the time, uh, you know, maybe entering the last last offseason, they felt like, you know, that's not really what we need right now. We have plenty of offense. But, man, things have changed. And I'm sure that Bob Myers is kind of kicking himself right now because they could have easily kept him in their system. Maybe he would have taken a two way. If not, he definitely would have taken a, a guaranteed contract. And I mean, he would honestly be probably their second best offensive player right now that's that's
0: where the Warriors are at yeah yeah and it makes you wonder the Warriors obviously got the closest look at him um and it's clear that he can play that he can score so it makes you wonder I know there are some sketchy things in his past but they got an up-close look at his character
1: yeah and everything I heard is that he was beloved in Santa Cruz Aaron Miles has spoken really highly of him um you know, I, from my understanding, there were no red flags in terms of their experiences on a personal level with him. I know he did have a domestic violence issue uh, in college, which is why he was cut from the team at Illinois and ended up at Oakland. I think he was like the second leading scorer in the country his senior year at Oakland. Just a guy whose abilities far out dwarfed the competition. Um but, yeah, I mean, you, you hate to play that what-if game. Uh, obviously, the Warriors have been on the other side of that a few times where they've kind of stumbled upon that diamond in the rough. But one guy who we could not stop talking about in preseason who's been downright underwhelming so far is Marcus Chris. I, I I don't know what happened to him. Um, he the, the things that he was doing so well in preseason, the dribble handoffs and the movement off the ball and – it, you're just not seeing it and I, I'm not sure why that is um, what, what do you think?
0: It, it's interesting because here's a guy who as soon as the training camp started, Draymond Green was already bragging on him and, and talking about some skills that I didn't realize he had I didn't know Chris could pass the way he did um, and, and you're right, the dribble handoffs the between the legs passes to guys in the corner, I mean he was doing a lot of things that, that made it appear as he was picking up a complicated system really quickly, um, now Steve Kerr almost always makes his decision on what you do on the other end of the floor, and so that's what I think is that right. they're just not seeing on defense what I think that's what, what they mean. need, right? I think and that's then you can't and then you can't get on the floor.
1: Yeah, and and they they bring Willie Cauley Stein back, and um, suddenly the even though they still don't have Kavan the the front court in that center position is not as shallow. So maybe there's less minutes to go around. He was a straight up DMP the other night. Um, didn't play at all in a in a in a game to the Suns where they were getting blown out pretty much the whole game, which was weird to me. I mean, why don't you play everyone, right, especially right. with Steve Kerr? So you wonder if maybe he was in the doghouse or, or what have you. But it, yeah, it, that's been a puzzling, a puzzling thing. There, there's just there's not a lot of positives right now. There's just it it it's been crazy just as a beat writer because. For me, I got on this beat right after they signed Kevin Durant, so I've been incredibly spoiled. I have experienced nothing but the absolute peak of the NBA, and I guess in my own little world, without realizing it, I got to a point where it started to feel normal, and I thought this is what it is. You know, I'm just gonna come in every season, I'm gonna be working till June, covering the finals, and then, you know, get my off time in August. But uh, I'm already finding myself thinking about April and May vacations because I have a feeling the Warriors won't still be playing come May. Um,
0: when Steve Kerr said the other day, welcome to NBA reality, he was talking to you. He wasn't talking yeah. to the fans. Yeah, for <laughs>
1: sure, for sure. Um, and and you're, you're someone who has experienced that NBA reality. You, you covered the Warriors well before they were a dynasty, do you have any tips for someone like myself who is kind of trying to figure out how to withstand the NBA grind when you're not necessarily covering a nationally relevant team
0: anymore? Well, I think you'll actually enjoy it a lot um, because I think you have a lot of creative story ideas. You like a lot of the developmental stuff and the prospect stuff. Um, and, and that's what you have to do to stay engaged, to keep yourself engaged, to keep the readers engaged is, is come up with creative ways to tell the story. The big difference between this team and the, a lot of the bad teams I covered, is this group has five years of equity built up, and they've got Hall of Fame players coming right. back right. from injury. I covered a lot of teams that were bad, had a bad draft choice that they were trying to develop, yeah. and nobody coming back from injury. Right. So, so there's a, still a lot of great storylines here. Um, there's a great fan base here, and the fans are still at the point where they're coming to watch the injured Warriors. Right. I covered a lot of teams where the fans were coming to watch the best player on the other team. Right. <laughs> so so it's very different. Awesome,
1: Rusty. Well, I really appreciate it. You know, I, I, I don't blame Warriors fans if, if they decide to take a few weeks off here and there this season. We will not. We will be locked and loaded at sfchronicle.com every single day. Stay, stay with us. If you're trying to find something to keep you going, keep you interested, hopefully – we can do that for you. We, we try to find creative angles and creative stories. I, I have, we have several coming down the pipe that I'm excited about. So, um, and, and as always, we'll keep the podcast going. We, we've had it already several times this week just because there's been so much news and, and we'll do the, do it as news warrants, but if nothing else, we'll at least do it once a week. So thanks for listening and uh, and, and, and please come back. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the Editor-in-Chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore and email me at claterno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.